Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Good morning. Our scripture reading this day comes from Romans, reading from chapter 10, beginning in verse 5. Moses writes concerning the righteousness that comes from the law that the person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that comes from faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you on your lips and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart and so is justified, and one confesses with the mouth and so is saved. The scripture said there is no one who believes in him will be put to shame for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed and how are they to believe in one in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You might have noticed that the Apostle Paul often uses uh, seminary words that we have to look up and define and that Jesus rarely does. Uh, Paul uses words like justification and sanctification. Jesus talks about figs and seeds and lost coins. We read Paul usually with a theological dictionary handy. Look up justification. The good news that God in the person of Jesus has declared us righteous. It's a one-time act. You have been declared righteous because of Jesus' saving work. Sanctification. Sanctification is the good news that God is still at work, transforming our mind and will and behaviors through the work of the Holy Spirit that we might be the best version of ourselves. Sanctification is not a one-time act. It is a continual process of becoming. And I like those words just fine, and I have great appreciation for the uh, distinction in those two. But, you know, I'm coming back to liking the language of being saved. It's not language I've used for a while, uh, but I'm warming up to it again. For a while, I said, I kind of stayed away. It, it had a kind of 
country evangelist sound to me. Brother, are you saved? But I'm warming back up to it. Saved is right on the mark, I think. Jesus' death and resurrection didn't just help me along a little bit. I was saved. Paul likes the term justified, like like the straight line of a book's margins. Justify your margin, get everything lined up, get it justified. And, And there are lots of complicated theories about how Jesus' death and resurrection has saved us. But saved still feels more right to me uh, than justified. But since being saved, I've been in this battle about who's going to be steering my life. <coughs> Excuse me. You see, I have ambitions and appetites that pull hard in one direction. And God has a vision of who God has created me to be that keeps calling me in another direction. What what Paul calls sanctification has been a long battle of wills. God actively working within me, transforming my mind and my behaviors. But I'm fighting like crazy because my selfishness is so temporarily satisfying. But every time I lose the fight, every time I yield again to God's shining hope, I know that the right word again is that I'm being saved, rescued. Sanctification just doesn't ring with the same sense of rescue from destruction that saved does. And our scripture today says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And every time I have called out to God, that is what it has felt like. But the scripture goes on to ask, how are people to call on someone they've never heard of? Makes sense. And how are they to hear if nobody proclaims them? And how are they to proclaim them unless they're sent? Well, that makes sense to me too. Salvation has come my way when some agent of God's love has taken the time to enter my story And tell me the good news. And then our scripture reading ends with this really odd line. As it is written. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. That is a peculiar saying, isn't it? It's of course a a euphemism. It's a figure of speech. We can't take it literally. Uh, Some of God's greatest gifts in my life uh, actually had very ugly feet. So that's not what it means. It's not to be taken literally. I learned in high school uh, Spanish class that euphemisms are the hardest part of uh, speech to translate. Because if we translate a euphemism literally, it usually makes no sense at all since euphemisms are usually unique to that particular language. For instance, if I say, she only comes to see me once in a blue moon. Well, you and I who share English know what that means. Folks of other languages for whom that's not a saying have no idea 
and it sounds like complete nonsense. If you tell somebody who speaks Mandarin, who does not know the English euphemisms, that you'd like to have a conversation about the birds and the bees, well, one of you is going to be really surprised about the direction that conversation takes. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? It's a euphemism. The messenger who arrives at your door with good news to share is such a gift of God's grace. How beautiful are those feet that walked that good news up to your door. That person used his or her feet to walk good news into your life. Most people who are saved are not saved through the preaching of an evangelist in an arena. Most were told the good news by somebody they already knew, who loved them already, and who had beautiful feet. If you had children, then you have the responsibility to teach and model the good news of Christ's love. And many of you, like me, first got that modeled at home when we were children. We knew of God's love for us because one or both of our parents had beautiful feet. And you bring your children to church when we can come because church populates their lives with other people who can be agents of God's good news. When I was a teenager and dating and forming and all of that, I had a youth minister named Bert who walked alongside me. I trusted him more than my buddies, but he wasn't like a real adult either. That's, that's kind of how youth ministers function. You know, they're hovering in between uh, 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 a peer and a, a real adult. But I could ask him real questions, concrete questions. For instance, I would talk to him uh, about the girl I was going out with at the time. By the way, going out with is a euphemism, in case you didn't catch that. It means we were dating. It has nothing to do with the fact that we were leaving the indoors. But Bert proclaimed God's good news in, a, in relationship, in real time, in real life. And he had beautiful feet. Later, in high school, as I was starting to question vocation and school and calling and purpose and all of that, A teacher named Mrs. Gordon took time with me. She prayed with me. She told me what she saw in me. She pointed me to scriptures. She talked to me about a Christian concept of calling. She had beautiful feet. I told you before about that I began to question that calling again in college. I had a real crisis of faith in my first year of college. I sat in the office of my academic advisor, Dr. Giddens, and uh, started to cry. I was just just there to tell him that I wanted to change my major, that I was not cut out for ministry. I was in a group of ministerial students who I thought were phony and plastic and pious all the time, and I told him I couldn't be like that, and I, I must not be called to ministry. He said, boy, there's hope for you. Meet me at this time every week. Let's talk through this till we get it resolved. 
everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how will they hear about him unless somebody tells them? And how will anybody go tell them without being sent? That's why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I I could go on and on with my stories, but truthfully, they're only meant to prompt your stories. Somebody proclaimed God's good news to you, and you were saved justified. And since that time, people with beautiful feet have been showing up along the journey of your life, the struggles in your sanctification, and they were used of God that you might be saved again and again and again. And chances are, those were ordinary, regular folk, except the fact that they made an extraordinary impact on your life because they took the time. They cared enough to help you see the intersection of the gospel story with your story. When that narrative of what God is doing in the world and in our lives claims us and we find purpose and direction and hope, And the people who helped us see that intersection, who came along the way and spoke to us about it, participated in what it meant for us to be saved. Traditionally, when we talk about this, we we use another seminary word to talk about uh, this exchange. The word is evangelism. The root of that word is good news. But it has not always sounded like good news. Uh, uh, Your images of evangelism might not have looked like good news at all. (coughs) People stopping you at the airport before you get on a plane to ask you, do you know the fate of your eternal soul if that airplane goes down? That doesn't sound like good news. But in my experience at least, at least in my experience, Those who carry tracks and keep score, however beautiful their intentions, didn't have beautiful feet. But some people have taken the time to get to know me, to hear my story, and help me find the holy in it. And when I see glimpses of what God is doing to love us all back home and where I see the places that God might actually be using my puny life as a part of that amazing enterprise. And when I lay down my selfishness long enough to say yes to what God is doing, it feels like being saved. And when I get captured by God's mercy, my selfishness wanes. And in short burst, I experience something like who God created me to be. And fear declines and greed lessens. And I'm being saved. And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? 
Evangelism happens at the intersection of stories. When my story and the Jesus story connect, that's when the drapes open and the sun shines in. But how will they hear without someone to proclaim Jesus? Proclaiming Jesus is not reserved for seminary graduates or people who took 18 courses in evangelism. When someone takes the time to listen and help connect the longing with the source of love, it feels like being saved. And it takes somebody with beautiful feet who's willing to listen long enough to help people make the connection to the God who is after them anyway. You may have heard the quote from C.S. Lewis. He said, friendship is born at the moment when one person says to another, what, you too? I thought I was the only one. Friendship begins when two personal stories intersect. But life eternal, life abundant begins when one of those friends helps us intersect our story with the story of Jesus of Nazareth who came that we might have life abundant, that we might be saved. When your life is over, your legacy is written, don't you want to be known as one of those people who took the time who cared enough to invest in somebody else's faith story and be mentioned in their story as one of the gifts of God who had beautiful feet. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.